can have a seat real quick. Well, not real quick. You can go as slow as you want to. But a happy Mother's Day to everybody. I have two women in my life. Well, um, that Not like two women in my life, but um, two women in my life that I think are incredible. And that's my mama and my wife, Brittany. Um, so I appreciate mothers big time. But uh, we're, if you're listening online today or on iTunes or on Google Play, we are in, or you're here in person, we're in the third week of a five-week series that we have called Stand. And we're looking at five different stories about the, in the book of Daniel, about Daniel and his friend's life. Um, and if you just kind of give you a backstory, you know, they were, um, they were captured by some Babylonians. Um, we talked, we've been talking about King Nebuchadnezzar and, um, you know, they've been kind of taken under, underneath the authorities there and they're trying to train them to be Babylonians. But what we've seen was, and what we've talked about was, in week number one, was that we talked about how we as God's people, just like Daniel and his three friends, um, we got to stand out when God calls us to be different. Because there's some things different that God's called us to be different, to look different and act different and value things that are different. And we've got to stand out. That's what makes us stand out, right? And then last week we talked about standing up for what is right and true. Standing up for what is right and true, but we have to do that at the right time for the right reasons and for the right purpose. We can't just go renegade. You know, I think of the picture of, you know, the drive-by baptisms. I don't know if any of y'all seen that on Facebook where it's like somebody's driving through a puddle and it splashes up on somebody. They call it the drive-by baptisms. We're not doing that, okay? Uh, it's just, we've we got to stand up at the right time for the right reasons. And next week, we're going to talk about standing in faith and believing God in prayer. But today, what I want us to look at is this, is that what we're going to talk about is standing strong. How do we stand strong in the face of opposition? And we're going to look at a story. That if, you grew up in, if you grew up in Sunday school, they did this. Anybody remember the felt board? Okay. They had this felt board, and there's a lot of stories they put on the felt board, right? You'd have Noah's Ark, right? That was on the felt board. I remember that. I always thought those things felt weird. Like, like there's something like styrofoam, well, that foam stuff that's like in cushions, that stuff, like if I touch it, it like makes me cringe. Well, that felt board did the same thing to me. Okay, but there's like Noah's Ark you put on there. There's a story of the friends who lowered, you know, the um, they hit their friend down through the roof to put them in front of Jesus because the house was a crowd. I remember that being on the felt board. And then you have stuff like Daniel and the lion's den, right? That was put on the felt board. Like all the classic stories that you learned in Sunday school, right? And one of the, I can never get this thing right where I'm comfortable. One of the, but one of the challenges with the story that we're going to look at today in Daniel about, you know, Daniel and the lion's den is that most of the time it's told in like a kid-like version of the story, right? Daniel's this handsome young man and there's these lions. They almost look like kittens and they kind of cuddle up to him and he's using them as pillows and that's really not what it looked like at all. First of all, Daniel at this point in the story is somewhere in his 80s or so. And so, so he's been walking with God now for eight decades. And so he's an older man, and the lions don't look like kittens at all. Okay? And I want to tell you something. Brittany hates cats of all sorts. Okay? I can handle them. Like, I don't mind little cats and stuff. But when it gets to, like, big old kitties, <laughs> whew, stay in your cages. I got to tell you the story. Me and I have two friends, right? Well, I have more than two friends, okay? But I have two friends that we would go, we, we'd go, we go to fishing all the time together. One of them is named Anthony. He played lead guitar that one Sunday here, right? Um, he has a boat. He has a really nice boat. It's a super nice boat. And anytime he's like, hey, you want to go fishing? I'm like, yeah, we're taking your boat. 
Okay, it's a really nice boat. So we're on this boat, and one of our other friends, whose name is also Anthony, but we call him Stinky. Don't ask why. Um, but we're we're fishing on Cherokee Lake, and on Cherokee Lake, there's all kinds of little different areas of fish. But there's one of our well used to be favorite spots. There was there's like this little like bowl of of just like a wall of rock, but it kind of makes this bowl. And to enter it, the entrance to it is about the size, about the width of this room, right? So if the water's down real low, you have to be real careful because, you know, the rocks and stuff. But we, we went up in there. I mean, it's like we had to attach rope to the anchor rope because it's so deep, okay? So we're out there. We drop. We're dropping anchors, you know, and we're like, it's like 50 feet of water. It's just ridiculous crazy, right? This big bluff of rock. And uh, but there's some fish there, some good old crappie, all right? And so here I am. I'm on the back of the boat, right? I'm over here on the back of the boat fishing, Got our friend Anthony, who's named Stinky. We call him Stinky, right here in the middle of the boat. And Anthony's up here on the trolling motor, just in case, you know, the wind blows us back and forth. All right? So imagine two anchors in the water, 50 feet of water. And, and the top of the bluff is like, I mean, it's, a, it's a, maybe a little bit below the air vent up there. I know if you're listening online, you're like, I don't see no air vent. But a little bit below the air vent. And the rocks kind of jet out. All right? There's a little bit of a cliff. We're sitting there fishing. It's like 1 o'clock in the morning, pitch black, because it's not really stormy, but, you know, it's kind of gray clouds. And all of a sudden we hear, Uh-huh. <laughs> all right? And uh, we shined a light up there real quick, and it stopped. Okay? We're like, okay, well, maybe we, the light scared it away. Uh-huh. So we're joking around. Hey, there's a cougar up there. <laughs> you know? Well, about two minutes later, we hear, that was a little bit closer. We shined a light up there, and it, and it stopped, right? So we're like, okay, one more chance, okay? So we're fishing, and then we hear, well, I look up, they shine a light up there, and it sounded like it was like right on the edge of those rocks, right? It sounded like a big old cougar. I got a huge cougar. I'm, I didn't see it. It could have been something else, but it's, I'm telling you, it sounded like a cougar. You can ask them if you ever see them, Okay. Well, within like 10 seconds of hearing that sound, my buddy Anthony's on the front of the boat said, y'all want to go somewhere else? And I look over, and our friend Stinky had already had his life vest up and everything put up. He was ready. He was gone. Right? <laughs> I can't, like, it was one of those deals like we, were, we, like we still talk about. Like, all we had to do was like, I just had to outswim you. That's all we, that's all we had to do because if it jumps off this cliff, we're done. Like, it was scary. Like, cats are scary. Like, so he, just imagine this. Like, hey, we're pulling up 50 feet of anchor. So it's like, you know. And we're like, please don't jump down the boat, right? I mean, it was scary. Cats are scary. And so we, but we get this picture of Daniel and the lion's den. Like, it's these nice little kittens that cuddle up. And that's really not, it was like, it was, I, I guarantee you, Daniel would have been scared in here. Because you can have faith and have faith in God, but still be scary, you know? So anyway, we've got Daniel in the lion's den, a well-known story. And what I want to do is bring a little context to it. What we're going to do is we're going to talk about how do we stand strong in the middle of severe opposition. So let me give you a little backstory here. In Daniel chapter 6, that's where we're going to be at today, we're going to see that Daniel is actually serving under a different king. We've been talking about King Nebuchadnezzar, but we're actually, he's actually serving under King Darius, or Darius, however you want to say it, okay? Which is the third king in which he served under in his 80 years. So this is the third person that he has worked under. And what's interesting about King Darius is, history, is that history records him as a, an administrative genius, right? He, what he, and what he did was right when he came into, came into ruling this kingdom, he reorganized everything. 
and he set up 120 provinces, or 100, and then in those 120 provinces, he set up 120 satraps, which the satraps is just a really cool word that means kingdom protectors, okay? And then he put three administrators over the 120 um, satraps, and Daniel was actually one of those three, and their, and their job would have been to protect against rebellion, to levy the taxes, and to guard financial affairs for the nation. So basically, they were going to balance the national checkbook, right? And so in Daniel chapter 6, verse 1 through 3, and what we'll read is, is kind of what I just told you, what it'll lead into the story today. In verse 1, it says, Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces, and he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high, off, the high officers and protect the king's interests. So their job was to protect the kingdom from about everything, okay? So Daniel soon proved himself more capable, just like he always does, right? Just like he always does. Proves himself more capable than any other administrators and high officers. And because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire, okay? So all throughout Daniel's life, we see him standing out, Serving with an excellent spirit, always going the extra mile, and the king looks 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 on and says, "Daniel is head and shoulders above everyone else, serving in my kingdom." And what? And I want to put him in charge of everything. He'll only be second to me. So he's second man in charge here. Now, and and that sounds really good, doesn't it? It's like Daniel got promoted. He's still serving God. He's going to be able to have even more influence for God in, the, in, the, in this moment. And, but the reality is what looks like a promotion from the outside actually introduces a lot of trouble from the inside. The other two administrators, they get jealous, and they kind of go all hunger games on him. And we're, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna take this guy out. We're going to falsely accuse him. We're going to find some dirt on him just to get him out of the picture so that we could have that role. We're jealous, and we're going to take him down. And in that spirit, as they go after him, we're going to watch Daniel stand strong with supernatural strength. And that strength can only come from a long-term developed relationship with God. Okay? And so from Daniel chapter 6, what I want to do is show you three truths to help us and help you understand and help you stand strong. So if you're taking notes, here's the first of these truths to help, you, to help you stand strong in this. It's not a fun one, but it's true. Number one, when God raises you up, expect people to tear you down. And I don't know how this might look like for you in your life. But let's say you receive a promotion, and a lot of times the people that you think should be excited, most excited for you are the most jealous and most critical of you, right? Like I got a, there's a story, like most of y'all know that I got a new position this past year at school called Restorative Interventionist. And during, this, during last summer when it was being brought up, I had a friend, you know, a friend of mine who I, who I thought was my friend say, yeah, you do it. Because like, they offered it to her too. Not really offered it to her, but said, you know, what do you think about this? And, and she's like, you know what? I don't qualify for that. Why don't you go to do it? And if you get it, we'll be super excited. So I got the job, right? Well, we show up to school and they found out that I got that promotion. And just like these two guys... She went around telling everybody how worthless I was, trying to cut, undercut me, because really, not, really, she was jealous and she wanted that position. So she'd go and say 
crazy stuff about me. Because people will always undercut you. Try to push you down, to try to oppress you. and but, Or maybe for you, some of you, it's you're getting really excited about your faith in Jesus and there's other people, there's people that make fun of you and there, and there may be even, even some Christians who are like, well, one day you're not going to be as excited about Jesus, so just go ahead and be like me and be miserable because you can't be that excited about Jesus forever. Jerk faces. Or maybe God is speaking to you very clearly about something more controversial, or at least it seems controversial to the world. Like maybe it's, uh, you know, I'm going to downsize and get out of debt. Or maybe it's, hey, I'm going to be a stay-at-home parent when you can make money. Or maybe you, or just that you just want to invest in your kids and you're going to home educate or something that's culturally unpopular. And you're doing what God's called you to do and yet people criticize. You, you, you are raised up and people tear you down. See, in Australia, this is called the poppy plant, the poppy syndrome. Because whenever the poppy plant grows nice and tall, someone comes along and chops it off at the bottom. In America, it's called the crab syndrome. Because if you put a bunch of crabs inside of a bucket, and one little brave crab says, you know what, I ain't staying in this bucket. I'm going to get out. And he starts to try to climb out. The other crabs will grab him and pull him back down. And they're saying, what they're saying is, if I can't be free, you can't be free to either. But when God raises you up, expect people to tear you down. And we see this in the story of Daniel. Daniel was raised to a high position, right? Second only to the king. And these two guys are jealous. And this, listen to this. And so verse 4 says, Then the other administrators and high officers began to search for some fault in the, in the way Daniel was handling government affairs. So they're looking. They're looking for something, right? Let's see how he's doing. So in other words, if we can find some dirt in his closet, we can run political ads. We can run political ads, and then he won't get elected to office. So we get, we get this now, right? No matter, I'm not taking a stand on which, who should be president and who's not, but we see that, we've seen that with George W. Bush. He got the office, people tried to undercut him. You see that with Obama. He got the office, people tried to undercut him. We see that with Donald Trump, undercut him. You see that locally with People, you know, they run, let's run ads and try to smear them when we got some own stuff in our own life that we need to fix first. It, it's been happening for centuries. It's nothing new. All right. Verse 4 going on, it says, But they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn him. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. And this really is amazing to me because, because he was trustworthy. He was neither corrupt or or negligent in verse 5. And so they concluded our only chance to find grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. So here's what we have to understand. Here's him saying, we tried to dig up some dirt on him, but this guy has, has so faithfully served God that it's transferred over into his, into his personal life, to his day-to-day job. He's faithfully served God, and we can't find anything to use against him unless it has to do with his relationship with God. And so they devise a plot, right? Now, but here's one of the problems that I see in Western Christianity is that 
so often we say, hey, I'm serving God and I shouldn't face any opposition because God's on my side. I mean, I'm trying to do what God wants me to do, so I shouldn't have people coming against me. I shouldn't, I shouldn't ever face a hard time. And the reality is, is that that's just simply not true. Because we don't battle against flesh and blood. But against powers and principalities of this dark world. And whenever we're moving the kingdom of God forward, he is going to do whatever it takes. The prince of darkness is going to do whatever it takes to try to stop you, even using well-meaning people. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. If you're not ready to face opposition for moving the kingdom of God, you're not ready to be used by God. Because if you're being used by God, he will do whatever it takes to stop you. He will do whatever it takes to stop you. And that's why I never worry. Like people say, Derek, how do you handle somebody going around the school talking to you about that way? How do you handle people talking about who you are because of your past? Or, oh, you can't be a real preacher. You have tattoos and engaged ears. I don't, I don't freak out about it. Because there's opposition. That means I'm, I'm doing something. See, I, I would be more worried if there was no opposition because that would mean I'd be doing nothing for the kingdom. So Daniel was standing out. He's standing up and he's standing strong. And sure enough, there's, just, there's opposition against him as some, and some of you may be experiencing even now. And the other two administrators were like, we've got to stop him. And so this is what they do. And so if you read the story, what you'll notice is they go and try to butter the king up. They go, man, king, you're looking good today in that robe. You buffing up, man? You been working out? Man, those sandals, man. Are those new kicks? Those are looking good. I don't know how they did it. Uh, that haircut, man, you must have went to Village, bar- village Barbershop and um, got a haircut by Joe Day. I mean, that, that haircut, man, you're looking, we don't know how it's done. But here's what they, they buttered up enough to sit in where they said, hey, king, you're so great. How about this? How about you issue a law, you issue a decree that says no one can pray to any other God but you. And king was feeling pretty good in that moment. And kings are known, just like Darius was just like many other kings, they were, they were vulnerable to pride and often they tried to deify themselves. And even though they knew they weren't God, they liked to be worshipped as if they're God and, and no one can stand under the weight of worship except for God himself. That's why men crumble under the weight of it. So even though they knew they weren't God, they loved to be treated like a God. And so King Darius said, okay, fair enough. If anybody prays to any other God but me for the next 30 days, they will be, they will be lion's lunch. And that, and that would be the rule. So this created a bit of a problem for Daniel. Because the other administrators knew Daniel was a great man of prayer. And it's interesting, I wonder how many of us, if that law was put in the place today that people would be worried about you because you, they knew how much you prayed and seek God every day. Would they worry about that for you? See, they knew this would create a problem for Daniel because he was so faithful in his prayer life. So, you have to understand, when we hear this story, we think of, you know, cute lions, Daniel looking good, and the lions at the end, and See, here's the deal. He had no idea that God would, if God would rescue him or not. He simply had to make a decision 
And see, he had, he had, see, he had three options. And the first option is this. He just stopped praying. He said, you know, he gets said, you know, God, I, I'm 80 years old, and I've been, it's, it had been real easy to say, God, I've been doing this for 80 years. We can all take a month off and agree it's all good, right? I've been doing this for 80 years. Let's come back after this 30 days, and we'll be good. You can, you're going to understand. It's, it's good. I'd be much more effective here than if I was dead. So just give me 30 days, God, and I will, we'll be all good. Okay, I've been doing it for 80 years. You understand. Or the second thing he could have done is, quite honestly, what I would have done. I just prayed in my head, right? That's why, I mean, that's what I would have, you know, I've been then just like sitting there praying, and they'd be like, what are you doing? Nothing. Are you praying? No, I'm just thinking. No, no, I promise you, I'm not praying. I'm just thinking. That's probably what I would have done is prayed silently in my head. Or the third thing he could have done is kept praying publicly, praying aloud, and risked death. And that's what he was willing to do because his faith in God was so much stronger than the decree. So I'm going to ask the question. What in the world, or what, what in the world built that kind of audacious faith in Daniel? How did he have such deep faith that God, in God that he was willing to stand strong in the face of possible death? And this leads to the second thought. If you're taking notes, I hope we'll encourage you to stand strong. And it's this. Kneeling in prayer is what gives you strength to stand. Kneeling in prayer is what gives you strength to stand. Verse 10 is, is powerful. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, what did he do? He went home and knelt down as what? Usual. In his upstairs room with the windows open toward Jerusalem, he prayed three times a day just as he, what, had always done, giving thanks to his God. Why was he giving thanks to his God in the middle of this opposition? Well, how can he praise God in the middle of facing, like, they did this on purpose so that they could get rid of me. How could he praise God? Now, here's what I believe. I believe in, in those, when we're, when we're being oppressed and we're being pushed back and we're, we're being fought against, it's in the middle of our praise that we get that breakthrough at the end of it. When we're going through a hard time, when life seems like it's unfair and things should be different, we, well, we, instead, of, instead of just drowning in our own misery, if we just sit down and praise, maybe the door will be open for you to get through it. So Daniel here is praying just like he always had done. In the middle of his opposition, he praised and thanked God just as he had always done before. You see, our first response to trial should never be a panic, but always to pray. See, like our language says this, says this a lot about us, right? Well, all we can do now is I've done everything I know to do. What else can I do? I guess I could pray. And if we approach things that way, it's God, I can just picture God going, well, you're up the creek without a paddle if I'm your last resort because if you put your faith in everything else before you put your faith in me, then you really don't have any faith in me at all. I mean, you're in big trouble because all you have is me left. No. All we can do is pray. What we need to say is we can pray. We can approach the throne room of God. We can talk to the, the, the creator and the sustainer of the universe. We have an audience with God who cares about the intimate needs of our life. 
Like we can petition God, and by petitioning God, we can go to Him and ask Him over and over. And when I hear the word petition, I think of Zane and Lyric come to me, Daddy, 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 over and over again. God, like you got to do something. Like we can do that. We like I don't all this other all these other religions that are God. They teach their God is distant. Our God is like, no, I'm here. You can come to me. You can approach me. You don't have to go through anybody else. You can come straight to me. we got to quit saying all we can do is pray. No, we can pray when this stuff arises. We have an audience with God. He hears the cries of those who humble themselves before him. We can pray. We can talk to God. He hears us. He delights to move on our behalf because he loves us so much. Never all we can do is pray. No, we can pray. And notice that Daniel didn't announce his prayer. He didn't walk up to the open window and say, you know, whatever. I'm going to pray now. No, he just done what he had always done. Because see, Jesus hated the hypocritical prayer of the Pharisees. You know, the ones where they had stayed on the street corner and prayed these big elaborate prayers just so you, they could be seen. Daniel didn't announce that. He didn't publicly say, hi, I'm, I'm not, he didn't say, I'm not eating the food. He just quietly by faith did what he always did. He didn't open up the window and go, oh, I'm not going to listen to King Darius. Everybody listen, I'm not listening to King Darius. I'm going to pray to God of heaven, hashtag I'm super spiritual. He didn't do that at all. It was just this deep, reverent prayer as he had always done, as he had always done before. See, I think, like I'm completely convinced that much of the success of Daniel's life was based on the pre, on pre-decisions. He pre-decided week one, right? Not to eat the food given to idols. And at some point, I believe, in his life, decades before the, the moment in, here in his 80s, he made the decision, you know what, I'm going to seek God in prayer three times a day. Therefore, I will seek him not just once a day. I need him three times a day. I need him to start the day. I need him need some of God in the middle of the day. And I need to wrap up my day with God because he has been so good to me. And I need to know him. I need to hear his voice. I need to walk, be walking by his spirit. I need an ongoing strength. I want to have that int- intimacy of continual communion with God. Therefore, three times a day, I'm going to make sure I'm kneeling in prayer to God. I don't, and I don't know about you, but if you haven't predecided your plan to get to know God, you will never get to know God. If you don't have a predetermined plan, listen, if, you, if there's no plan, you're planning to fail. If there's no predetermined plan of how you want to grow in intimacy with God, I can almost guarantee you you're not going to grow in intimacy with God at all. For me, it's the first thing in the morning. It's my Bible open waiting on the bus to pick me up in the Kroger parking lot. Right? Praying. Be careful because I've had somebody open the door on me there. Lock your door. Okay? It's saying every day, God, these are your eyes. Help them see the needs that you want me to help with today. Here's my hands. Use them. Here's my feet. Use them. God, help your feet lead me to your perfect will. Holy Spirit, speak to me. You have permission to interrupt in my day. God, would you guide me in whatever and wherever you want me to go? God, give me efficiency today and the wisdom to make decisions that would bring glory to you, to shepherd my family closer to you, 
to help lead my church closer to you. Every single day, I would not start a day without some intimacy with the God, our Father. Because if you don't have a predetermined plan to grow more intimate with God, chances are you're not ever going to do it. But notice how he prayed. I love this. He knelt before God in prayer. How do you have strength to stand strong? He could stand before men because he knelt before God. He was able to stand before people because he had knelt before the presence of God. It's like, have you ever knelt in the presence of God before? Got on your knees and just earnestly seek God. Like, I believe posture matters so much. It really does. You know, just get down and suck some carpet. <laughs> okay? Because I want, I want God to know in my heart that I view him so much higher than I view myself. Because he is so high. And I just call on him and I just listen to him and, and depend on him and hear from him because, because I really do believe posture matters. So Daniel had, a predetermined, had predetermined somewhere long ago that he was going to seek God in prayer. And so listen, when life gives you something that knocks you down to your knees, while you're down there, go ahead and seek God. When life gives you more than you can stand, you kneel before him in prayer, and he will give you the strength to stand back up. And I don't know what's going to happen, you know, but at some point, if you're a follower of Christ, you're going to take a stand. You're going to take some, you're going to take some kind of courageous stand, and it could be against some big world issues, or it could just be in your neighborhood, or your school, or your family. It could be that you break up with your boyfriend because he's pushing you to do things that would be displeasing to God and break your heart of purity before before your before your God. It could be that you don't do that business deal because it lacks integrity and you're going just to trust God with this. And in your mind, you may be going, well, what happens if my kids don't play on the college, in college sports one day because he wasn't on, in the better league? Or what happens if I don't get a new boyfriend? Or what happens if I get overlooked and don't get the promotion and end up losing my job because I won't do the deal? And what I wish I could tell you is that it all would work out the way that you wish it would. That it would always work out, end up working out the way you want it to. But I cannot tell you that at all. Like Daniel would have asked, So, what if the lions eat me and God doesn't rescue me? And that's a fair question. Because there are plenty of other people in the Bible that had the same amount of faith as Daniel, and for whatever reason, God didn't rescue them. So, we're not talking about a Disney cute little movie here. We're not talking about some little cute kid story here. This is life and death. This is real life with a sovereign God whose ways are so much higher than our ways, his understanding higher than our understanding, and we're sitting here going, but what if they eat me? But we don't hear him say that. And I can't promise you that if you take a stand that you're not going to face some consequences, that something's not going to come against you, that people aren't going to resist you, that you're not going to be left you're not going to be left out or overlooked or end up hurting and maybe feeling worse. The only promise that I can make you is this if you're taking notes is when you do what is right, you can always trust God with the results. When you do what is right, you can always trust God with the results. See, here's the part that's so difficult for us to understand. Daniel didn't know the end of the story when he was in the middle of his story. He didn't know he'd be a Sunday school lesson for centuries to come. He had no idea, none whatsoever. 
that it would end up the way he wanted it to end. All he knew was is that for 80 years, for 80 years, God had been faithful to him. For 80 years, God had always been faithful. So no matter what, Daniel would be faithful to his God. That's it. Because for 80 years, God was faithful to him. He's going to be faithful to God. No negotiations, no ifs, ands, or buts, no but what ifs, but how come, or this doesn't seem fair. God had been faithful to me, therefore I will be faithful to him. If he, if he, if he saves me, I will trust him. If he doesn't save me, I will trust him. If he rescues me, awesome, great. To live is, to live is Christ. Oh, what if, what if, he, if I die, well, to die is gain because I'll be with him. He has always been faithful. If he doesn't save me, I will trust him. So King Darius is devastated here. Why? Because he liked Daniel. Everybody looked at Daniel with favor except those who were jealous of him. So the king, the king is mad because he was tricked. Two of his top three right-hand men deceived him. So he, he feels very, very betrayed. And he tries to get out of it, but he can't because he's already made a law. And if he backs out on this law... If he turns back, that shows weakness to the rest of the people. And so he had to follow through with his word. And so he, he doesn't eat, doesn't receive any entertainment. He's devastated. He goes to, to his palace and just fasts and prays for Daniel. And he puts into line. And it's kind of funny if you notice what, if you read that story, because he prayed to Daniel's God, the one that he, never mind. Thank you. Now, we don't know what happens down there. All we know is what doesn't happen in a lion's den. We don't know if Daniel just kind of got down there and was like worshiping God. He doesn't say. We don't know if he was afraid, you know, like he was a human being, so he might have just been over there in the corner like messing himself because that's probably what I would have done. Or, or maybe, I don't know, maybe he'd been acting like a dog in the corner barking, trying to scare them. I have no idea. All we know is that by the power of God, God shut the lion's mouth. And I believe with all my heart, this is literally the story that reflects the goodness and the power of God in Daniel's life. See, starting in chapter 6, 19, it says this. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish. Daniel, servant of the living God. Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God, the God whom you serve so faithfully, the one you what? Continually, like it's something you do all the time, continually serve the one you're always seeking after. Was he able, was he faithful, was he able to rescue you from the lions? And verse 21 says this, Daniel answered, long live the king. See, in the morning, the first thing that Daniel does, King Darius does, is he says, I wonder if, I wonder if Daniel made it. I wonder, I wonder if his God is faithful. So get this picture, okay? Get this picture. I can imagine 
Darius running to the tomb, to the, to the den. And imagine him, because it says, it says that he, because it says that they'll hear me, we'll read that they had to lift him up out of it. But I mean, I can imagine him like looking over and going, Daniel, Daniel, you down there? Daniel, was, was, your, God, was your God faithful? Like, did he, did he save you? Daniel, please answer me. Was it God that you continually serve? I've watched you. No matter what you face in life, you always, always sought after God. God, was, was your God faithful in saving you? Yes. Yes, my God's faithful. He's always been faithful to me. He's faithful today, and He's always going to be faithful to me tomorrow. And it goes on to say that um, Daniel answered, Long live the king. Verse 22. My God sent His angel to shut the lion's mouth. He was faithful yesterday. He was faithful today. He'll be faithful tomorrow. So that He shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me. For I... I'm going to get off this before I fall. For I have been found innocent in the sight, in his sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den, and not a scratch was found on him. For he had trusted in his God. Why? Why was there no scratch? on him because he knew that his God would be faithful because he had been faithful for 80 years so he trusted he always trusted in his God because he had trusted because he had trusted so when you do what's right you're always going to trust God with the results but there were two guys who didn't do what was right and the king called them in and said, you're going in the lion's den. And the angel was tired from working all night and did not protect those guys. And the king issued a decree that says everyone in the kingdom should fear the God of Daniel. It's because in Daniel's faithfulness to God, God was faithful to him. Even if God chose not to close the mouths of the lions, Daniel would have said, my God has always been faithful to me. Because I'm up here with him. So if you're facing some sort of opposition, I, I know so many people are. Remember that God raises you up. People will tear you down. It's just part of it. You just got to deal with it. You're going to be a great leader. You're going to do some great things. You just got to keep pushing. Keep pushing. Keep pushing the kingdom forward. Quit. You know, I, I want to say suck it up. But you got to just keep going. It's, it's just part of life. Don't worry. Like... If you're facing opposition, that's a good sign. That means you're going the right way. When God raises you up, people will tear you down. But kneeling in prayer gives you the strength to stand. Just like Daniel, he just kept doing what he had always done. You've got to predetermine how you're going to grow in this intimacy. Here's honestly what I hope some of you, you're under massive conviction this morning. That you, that you know that you need to set aside time every day to seek God. 
to make an intimate search for Him one of the top priorities in your life. Because when you do what is right, you can always trust God with the results. We battle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities of this dark world. We stand firm in the faith, and we put on the full armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, the belt of truth. Our shoes are prepared with the gospel, the readiness, the peace of our good God. And we stand firm. We stand strong no matter what. Stand firm in the faith. And when we've done everything else, what will we do? We will stand because our God has been faithful to us. Through Jesus, he has always been faithful to you and me. The cross shows that. The cross shows us that he's faithful. See, and I'm wondering how many of us have just kind of given up. Maybe there's some things in your life going on that's out of your control, and you just kind of said, you know what, this is life now. Now I'm sitting here telling you it doesn't have to be because if you begin to do what is right, God, you can trust God with the results. Because God will always be faithful. Just like Daniel in this lion's den. He was faithful to Daniel. Because Daniel was always faithful to him. So my prayer this morning is this. Is that maybe starting today, you learn to look for the ways that God has been faithful to you. It could be something as simple as, you know what, he got me that job. Or he healed me of cancer. Or I always wanted a kid, and now he's given me a kid. I've always wanted a family. And this may not look like a normal family, but he's given me a family here. God's been faithful. think of anything else. If he has done nothing else for us, the cross was enough to show us that he was faithful to us, that he would never give up on us. Because while we were yet sinners, not deserving anything, while we were in open rebellion against God, our creator, the sustainer of life, he chose to still make a way for you and me. If there was nothing else he did for us, that would have been good enough. But he has done so much, so much more. And like we sang, sang earlier, I really believe it. God, I've seen you move. You've moved mountains. And I believe I'll see you do it again. You made a way when there was no way. I love it. I believe he'll do it again may not look exactly the way we want it to, may not feel exactly the way we want it to, but he will do it again. And God, we come to you this morning and just thank you that we can have faith in you because you have shown over and over and over and over again that you're always faithful to us. Your mercies are new every day. 
So I just pray for all of our hearts here, God, including myself. That on those days where we feel like we're being pushed down, shoved down, pushed against, may while we're down there, we just go ahead and kneel before you and just say, God, you got this. This is going to be hard today. But I know you got this. Because you've always been faithful. You've never failed me yet. Fight for me in my defense against the evil schemes of the devil. I pray all this in your name. Amen. Thank you guys.